You're listening to an encore presentation of Skywatchers Radio, only on the Paranormal Soup Network. They are using all kinds of symbology. What is at stake? It is a big idea. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it and what were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. When I got out in 1989, we had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab and he said, by the way, we've discovered a base. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Welcome, everyone, to Skywatchers Radio on another week filled with amazing wonder and journeys down the road less traveled with your hosts, Jesse Randolph, and, of course, the voice of reason, the jackal. I'm sorry, the voice of reason, Rick Osmond, and the always unexpected, the jackal, with us. Welcome, everybody. Another exciting week. If you were out at the conference, or if you don't know what I'm talking about, of course, the UFO National Congress that our friend Timmy just got back from. He's probably still in bed, passed out from driving so much. But don't blame him. What an exciting event. I can't wait to hear all about it from whoever's uh, out of their sleep coma when they come to tomorrow. Uh, I have a special guest on Euphonaut Radio tomorrow, Jackal. Did, uh, did I tell you about this? Uh, this will be the fifth time. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. So why don't we tell you a sixth time, and this time we can do it on the tomorrow night, 7 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. We will have on a guest that has eluded me for some time now. This is a gentleman that doesn't do radio interviews too often. Uh, we've got a terrible amount of feedback. Uh, yes, we do. This, this gentleman has eluded me for a good two years now, and we finally got him, a guy by the name of Jordan Maxwell, who is pretty much the godfather of the New World Order and the occult conspiracy movement, as well as conspiracy in general. If you don't know who Jordan Maxwell is, well, bust open a Wikipedia and get yourself ready for a really exciting show that's tomorrow night at 7 on Euphonaut. But Skywatchers, this evening, I'm even more excited because we have a guest on that, obviously, we sort of all got along last week, the, the four of us, didn't we? we? There seemed to be the gelling, don't you Don't you think? I believe so. I think so. And, uh, you know, she was very eager to come back on the show, which definitely says that she had a good time on the show. I think she likes you. I don't know. I think she kind of liked you. I think I think we both like you. That's what it is. Oh, okay. It's all about that. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Um She's coming back on, and if you don't know who we're talking about, well, bust open your Wikipedia. <laughs> How was that? Tell us bust what's going to be on the show tonight. 
Yeah, he's talking about Laura Eisenhower, who was here last week. Uh, she spoke to us. Of course, we had a little bit of uh, audio technical difficulties with the audio uh, with Skype and Uvu and Procaster, and everything just did not work right. So we got her back on, on here today, and uh, we're going to be recording simulcasted over on BTR, Black Talk Radio, and on BTN, People's TV Network. We're going to have her on in the next, I would say, about five minutes. She'll be ready to uh, get on the phone here with us and do a formal interview, which will be actually recorded and archived. Which uh, it'll be great to be able to have that. Really? Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? That's exciting. Be able to, be able to archive stuff. Yeah, good absolutely. Idea. This is a good one. You know, this is a woman who came out of nowhere on the scene via Alfred mm-hmm. Weber. Probably, I guess, what we talked about a, a couple of months ago, if not even. Yeah, but not even a month ago, really. Uh, she came forward uh, with some uh, pretty astounding information. I'll say. The woman not only is related, and again, I'm waiting for people to check the facts on this, but I went with my gut, as I always do, and my gut told me that she is related to the people she says she's related to. She says, folks, in case you missed it, where were you, that she is the great-granddaughter of Dwight D. Eisenhower, who was one of our greatest presidents, depending on what party you belong to or if you can remember that far back, or if you went to class that day. But either way, what does she claim? She claims a whole bunch of stuff. But everybody on this panel, I'm going to speak for myself, and then we can go right directly to the left here. We can talk to the voice of reason, and then we can ask the jackal, because you never know what he's going to say. But for me, I just got a sense that this woman... I don't know. I didn't see that she had a lot to gain by coming out. If anything, I, I think I warned her about the scrutiny that's probably going to come her way soon, and she seemed to be totally fine with opening up fully and letting people examine her to the hilt. What are your thoughts of well, Richard Oakland and what you interviewed him? Oh, Richard? Oh, yeah, yeah Richard. Uh, I think Richard's the man. You know, he's he's the... Let's, look, you're talking about a guy who is not only the science advisor to Walter Cronkite for all the Apollo missions, so the credibility factor, he's a genius, okay? Whether or not you choose to believe a lot of the things he says, he is the pioneer person. To this day, he still hasn't gotten the credit that's due to him, mm-hmm. um, but that they did movies like Mission to Mars and, and took a lot of his research and basically yep. ripped it off for the movie. Um, He's a guy that should be in the annals of astronomy history as a, as a pioneer. He was able to take research. He doesn't take credit for the face on Mars from Viking. That was somebody else. That was a couple of guys working within NASA. But he was able to take their research, what they found on a little tiny picture one day from Viking, and turn it into the city of Sidonia and an entire geometry that obviously means a lot to the universe, our universe. Mm -hmm. And then he was able to bring about the correlation between Mars and Egypt in a lot of geometry-type fashions. So what I like to say about Richard is I have the utmost respect for the guy. He's He's had heart problems. He still tours. I flew to Scottsdale to see him speak a few years ago, and he was amazing. I just think the guy is one of those people that I talk about, ultimate doers, mm-hmm. never gets enough financing. People should be 
in awe of this man, in my opinion. Does he go off the deep end sometimes? Perhaps. But I'm not, sh- I'm not sure. Either way, you slice it. Now, we've had Mike Barra on the program. Now, Mike Barra is the one who re- co-wrote the latest book that they did together about the secret NASA. Have you read this book? I've not read it, but I've heard of the book. I'm not going to lie. Okay. It, it, it's, it's a tough book to get. It's almost very much like a textbook, okay? Mm-hmm. But, uh, and someone in the chat room, tell us what the name of this book is. I have it somewhere, and I don't have it on my, on my brain, but really good book. If you can get through this book, you're going to say to yourself, this man deserves accolades. And if you can get him on your program, you're a lucky guy. I was able to get him on once. And like I said, it was like having one of my heroes on. Richard Hoagland yep. uh, is a hero to ufology. Although, I don't think he's all that crazy about ufologists, to be honest with you. And I don't <laughs> think he, he likes to being called a ufologist or even being part of that community. And that's a whole other conversation if you want to have that one. Yeah, it, it is. And I've heard that, uh, you know, actually from his mouth directly, he, he's very critical of ufology. Uh, and rightfully so, there, there is a lot of kooks and nuts in you, and you know, in ufology. So he has uh, some right to be doubtful, especially he's coming, you know, forward with scientific information. He's not coming forward with you know hearsay or, or you know, suspected abductions or, or suspected encounters or you know, or dreams or anything like that. He's coming, he's coming forward abductions with real, with something real. Suspected encounters or you know, or dreams. Whoa! Or getting a big echo. Like he's, coming, he's coming forward with real. All right, sorry about that, guys. I had to uh, mute something there. Good. Glad you got that done. Yeah, I try. I try hard. But yeah, no, like I was saying, he's coming forward with you know information that at least is based on on you know science. Um, it's not based on just hearsay or you know innuendo or I had a dream that I was uh, you know an alien up that key or something. No, you know, he's coming forward with some hard stuff. And the stuff of Sedonia and Mars, it's, uh, you know, incredible what, he, what he's been able to, you know, dig up. The one thing that always, you know, kind of stuck with me was the U.N. presentation he did in the early 90s. Jesse, I know you've spoken about that, haven't you? Or you've uh, left the conversation. Conversation, yeah. yeah. Let me see if I can get him back. Yeah, do that. Do that. We're about to call Ms. Eisenhower in the next minute here, so it'll be nice to have Jesse back on the line here. Yeah, I would, since he's part of the show. He is part of the show, sometimes. Come on. Ring, ring, ring. Power failure. Ring, ring, ring. (laughs) Okay. Well, we'll try him again in a minute. Come on. Austin, what's our plan? According to this map, the entire island is crawling with Dr. Evil's guards. I want to make sure the explosives didn't get wet, but I can't find them. Look in the bottom. Okay, I'll dig a little deeper. Wow, this bag is really full. I'm going to have to dig deeper and find out what happened to Jesse. <laughs> yeah. uh, try calling him again and see if he can uh, get a hold of him. Yeah. Ring, ring, ring. Apparently, J. 
Jesse is not available. Hmm. That's rather strange. It is. We don't have a whole lot of time here, so you know what? Forget that. Let's just get Laura on the line. Um, okay. If you can, uh, you have her contact info. I think I sent you a request for her. Yes. So without further ado, Ms. Laura okay. Eisenhower. Laura, welcome to the show, dear. Thank you. It's Good to be uh, here. myself. It's, oh, great to have you here. It's myself, Angel, and our producer, Rick, who's uh, with us. Jesse will be joining us again shortly here. Uh, welcome to the show again. Like, uh, like you know, we were saying here earlier today, you are a very important person in ufology right now because of the, the stuff you've come out with uh, saying. So, you know, we're treating this as a brand-new interview, so let's go into a little bit of a background here on yourself, you know, briefly at least. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, what exactly motivated you to come forward with some of the information you're you're coming forward with. Oh, gosh, there's a lot of reasons. Um, first of all, I think that it's very important to plant seeds in people's consciousness to awaken to maybe something um, other than what they've been programmed or conditioned to believe and think. Um, I also feel that uh, the truth is what's ultimately going to set us free, not to sound cliche, um, but, you know, this is really heavy-duty stuff, and it took a toll on my life, and it was a, a you know, it was a taking place since I was a child and um, a lot of it's also for me to break free and to not be um, alone behind the curtain uh, grappling with all this and so it's to inspire those that are going through similar things to you know feel that they're not alone and that as wacko as it sounds um, that somebody's you know willing to speak on their behalf and of course my own behalf but it's you know multiple reasons really now, you know, of course, what we're talking about is we're talking about the fact that you're coming forward saying that there's uh, a Mars colony project uh, that's underway at the moment, and uh, you were, you know, you're, there was an attempt to recruit you into this colony, into this project. Uh, you know, let's let's talk about that a little bit deeper. We were walking in Jesse back in the show here. He just uh, got back on Uvu. Uh, but let, let's get into that a little bit because that's a very interesting subject, uh, the fact that, they are, that you're almost recruited into this uh, program that's going on. Uh, behind, you know, the scenes. Uh, tell us right. a little bit about what you know about this program from your end, from your knowledge of what's going on. Okay, well, I can only really say from the experiential part and, you know, right. the research that I did uh, really backed up what my intuition was telling me. I had uh, sort of felt something odd taking place since I was young. I couldn't really put it, I, I mean, I, I had just no real basis of understanding it. I thought it was something about me, but I knew it was larger. Um, but I, I was in the process and analyzation of it for a very long time. And finally, um, you know, things started to unfold, separate from the story that I'm, you know, telling here. Uh, but this was pretty much where it, where it all uh, exposed, you know, elements of it that connected the dots to the rest. And that was when somebody showed up uh, at a festival and befriended me and, uh, you know, really didn't lead me to believe anything odd. Uh, we just sort of hit it off. And um, months later... In a formed relationship, I um, uh, started to hear about, you know, Mars and, and this, this mission that was being planned. Um, he was involved with a group of people that were working on, uh, you know, a mission that, that was involving bringing, you know, specific people to, uh, um, to you know, to, 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 into this. And I didn't, you know, really understand if this was an invitation or, you know, I had been targeted because I always felt a very odd energy on me. Um, 
And so, you know, through dreams and premonitions, I started to uncover some things about what this is all about. And also observation of his behavior led me to believe that this was not a survival call. You know, this was not a Noah's Ark type trip. This was not something, right. some backup plan, you know, in case the human race or, you know, the earth as we know it, you know, falls into cataclysms. It, it, there's something far more sinister um, related to mind control and, you know, you know, creating agents to serve their agendas through manipulation and, and, and you know, being chipped and um, sort of programming them to just uh, do whatever they, they said to do. And once I had enough dreams, I, I communicated this to the person, and finally about, you know, a, a week or two after that, he said that they had sent him to find me at the festival and that this was all preplanned. And, you know, he was apologetic because he did, you know, have feelings, but he didn't expect that, you know, we would form a relationship and, and then he was stuck between wanting to protect me, but at the same time, very controlled by what they wanted, while also believing that what they wanted was a good thing. And so I spent that whole time sorting through it and seeing through it and uh, breaking free. Now, when you say they, uh, you know, explain to us who you think they are. You know, I'm they. sure it's not just. I'm sure it's not like the president and the cabinet right. house. So, right. You know, who, who are they? Uh, you know, as far as you know. Well, I, I don't want to name any names um, on air. Okay, I mean, I do fine. have that information, but. Um, I, I do, yeah. That's that's something I, I really want to focus on eventually when I find, you know, the right people, and I'm sort of working on that right now. Um, okay. But they are a hidden group that's affiliated with the government, but it's part of the hidden government. I don't even think the president knows about them. Um, they, they do research um, on certain phenomenons as a cover, but there's something else going on in there that a lot of people who have been exposed to that group are aware of. Uh, so they're... Um, so some of the names that he was talking about a lot when it when it came down to the mission, I you know heard on an everyday basis because the dialogue was always okay. You know, going to Mars, staying on Earth, and I was always you know fighting for it. You know, my mission is to be on Earth, and it always has been. I know what I'm here to do. I, I had a purpose since I was young, and there was just no way I was going to go. And I was just being coerced and coerced and coerced. So I started to get really angry because I felt like I didn't even have a choice or a say, and it was very controlled. And they even threatened that they would kidnap me if I didn't go, but I, they might have said it lightly, I don't know, but it really was disturbing. Then I had a lot of dreams, like I said, or one specific one, and I started to look up the names that he was talking about. And after about two weeks of research, some of those names were affiliated with some of the most negative unethical technologies, um, mm. you know, ELF, you know, uh, mind control technologies, HARP. Mm -hmm. And uh, I realized, wow, you know, they have led him to believe that he's, you know, he's helping them out with this. He has no idea what they're really doing to him, but I, I'm seeing this all before my eyes. He, he would shift into all these, you know, from one, one minute he would be somewhat normal and very connecting. The next minute he would get a phone call or something weird would happen. He would go off into the night, and, and he was, like, acting like a robot. <laughs> and, you know, he'd get phone calls, and they would say something, and he'd drop everything and go do missions for them. And, and, I, and I just figured if this has anything to do with the Mars thing, which, which it ended up being, um, then this is a part of some agenda that is – possibly picking people that have, you know, huge callings on Earth to really create um, global transformation and, and, and a shift onto the positive timeline that they're trying to avoid. So how else do you destroy it but, but you know, target it and try and bring it into your agenda through control and manipulation? Um, there's also other reasons that I was concluding, you know, maybe my bloodline. And, and then I found out later that it has to do with archetypes, and they, you know, threw out some names. It gets kind of controversial, and I'm not, you know, here to claim anything, but things about Sophia and Osiris and reseeding a civilization on Mars um, started coming out in the research, and he actually admitted to me that that was a part of the whole reason that him and I um, 
were being chosen, except he couldn't tell that it was sinister and wrong because he really couldn't tell, you know, what these technologies were doing to him. But on observation, the people he was around were trying to warn him that something really screwed up was happening with him. And um, then he started to, you know, discuss how his parents were chipped and he had seen strange alien phenomena that, you know, like animals that had been skinned and drained of all their blood and the radiation from it had made him very sick. And he would hear, you know, things communicate to him about his mission. But he still couldn't tell the negative from the positive. But every once in a while he would be like, something's wrong here. But then they kind of have control again. Because they, they started when he was a young kid. So it's not like somebody with their better mind or wisdom can, can snap out of it. I mean, this has been conditioned into him. And so a lot of research, you know, online or just, you know, on the Internet and a lot of just deep probing of just being a clairvoyant type person. I do that, you know, for a living. I could really read him, and, um, you know, when you know somebody, you know somebody, and every time, you know, I was very vulnerable or just very in an open-hearted space, just really wanting to connect, that's usually when these attacks would happen, and, you know, I almost had a stroke and a heart attack a bunch of times, and the frequencies after he would have those encounters would make me and my children physically sick, I mean, and my dog even, it was just like some weird radio, you know, some weird frequencies were coming off of him, and and so I just, you know, I spent months just trying to break free, and then it just, it got so chaotic where lives were being threatened and, you know, security of, of this project and this mission that obviously I'm not supposed to be talking about, but uh, I broke free, and I, I let some time pass until I, you know, realized I'm in a safe place, and I just felt that I had a responsibility to communicate this because there shouldn't be secrets like this. We're kind of, no, you know, in this together, and there's no bloodline or anything that's better or more superior. That's just as, you know... Just silly is how the Nazis think uh, thought. Yeah, no. And let me ask you a question now, just to make it clear: you've never been to Mars yourself. You're not claiming that you've been to Mars or anything like that, right? No, no some of my colleagues have, and I really okay. um, support their claims just because uh, a lot of dialogue has brought about, you know, incredible likeness to our stories. But I personally, you know, I've done a lot of astral traveling, and gosh, I've probably been to a lot of places in the universe, but I have not. I <laughs> do not recall physically being on Mars. Um, as out there as I am, I, I can't say that I've, I've, I've actually been there. But listening to the plans and, you know, about the ships and this and that, uh, you know, I had alien encounters when I was a kid with good, with high, high beings that allowed me to look into a projector and said, um, you know, this is the positive timeline, and if you look through this, it'll make you cry because it's so beautiful. Hang on to this, something like that. And so that always made me so hard to control and, and be led astray and on top of other things having a strong communication with Ike as a spirit, it just, I, it, it felt like he was counseling me about, you know, what I was in for. And um, I've discussed with my colleagues a lot of the targeting, uh, the frequency, I don't, I don't really know the words or terminology very well like they do, but they kind of blast you with something that, that could literally, like, kill a horse. And, and somehow, um, if, if you're able to survive it, then it's, it's their way of determining if you're strong enough to, he mentioned something like that, but I, I, I'm not going to go into areas that I'm not an expert, but it gets weird. I mean, there's thoughts being connected to my story that are new to me, but, but really do make sense. Huh. Yeah. Jess, Jess yeah? I know you're there. Yeah, I'm back. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for coming back on tonight. Oh. Um you know, I had a, a chance to try to digest the last program we did together, and uh, unfortunately, most of my colleagues were in Laughlin this past week at the UFO National Congress, which is a week long, so uh, they're pretty burnt 
so I hadn't got a, too much time to talk to them about you. Did you know anybody at the conference? Did you attend the conference? Did you know what it, no. it existed? A no? conference recently? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was, it's the largest UFO um, con- conference that happens once a year in the United States in Laughlin, Nevada. I've heard about it. Right. I didn't realize that that just happened. I mean, I've heard about it. I, I certainly yeah, was, was not invited. and Really. I, I'm sure a lot of people I know were there. I mean, there's just sort of been this downtime um, since all this has happened, and I, I haven't, you know, really... Yeah, no, but I've, I've heard about, you know, events like this, and there's the X conference. I don't know if that's... Is that... Yeah. That's something that's different. With, that's something different. Coming that's up. with uh, Steve Bassett. That's coming up, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, no, and I didn't know about that. I wasn't invited to it, so... Oh, okay. Well, everyone, everyone's invited. You know, yeah. you, you, were, you, were in a, you didn't get an invitation, but that's okay. You can, you, 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 you can show uh, up. <laughs> you yeah. can show up, and I'm sure plenty of people would have wanted to talk to you. Uh, right. But let's get into a couple of things that I tried to think about over the weekend, because what I did was I put on my thinking cap, and I said, okay, um, there's some other people that have come out recently about Mars that have been pretty mm-hmm. controversial. Um, now, a lot of people in their gut feel as though we might be descendants from Mars as far as, you know, there was a cataclysmic event on Mars and people escaped here. I don't know if that's true or not, mm-hmm. so I wanted to get your opinion about that. Um, but I also wanted to talk to you about this gentleman. Have you heard of him, Andrew Basigio? Am I saying it correctly? I don't know if anybody knows yeah, who I'm talking yeah. about. Basagio, I think. Basagio, yeah. Basagio. Is this a crony of yours? Yeah, he's a fr- you know a friend and a colleague. Um, him, uh, Alfred, and I, uh, you know, are, are just really just have our heads together on this. And we, uh, when I did the Examiner article, he was included. Um, and I've, okay, I've listened so to a lot of his his stuff, and I support know, what he uh, says. <laughs> how did you meet him? Because he's got a pretty interesting track record, and uh, and he makes some. Inc- if you think your your stuff is controversial. Um, his stuff is incredibly controversial on the same path, uh, a lot of it. So can you tell the audience who this gentleman is? Well, um, yeah, I, 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 I know um, that he was involved in something as a, as a kid uh, re- regarding Project Pegasus and um, jump rooms right. and, and uh, being, being taken there um, and went through similar experiences of feeling sort of that soul death and that like something's really not right here. I've listened to him. I can't really reiterate it very well, um, but all I can say is after listening to him, his articulation, um, you can tell, you know, by a frequency and a voice, you know, if somebody's I'm, – I'm pretty good at that just because I do so many readings. And, you know, I, I was really, like, amazed. And um, uh, th- there's a connection between him and I that go back to, to the 70s of uh, some communications that he had gotten uh, about the future um, that involved um, some of our work together. And um, I, I know that, you know, his, his father was um, a part of all this. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's such an amazing survival story. And it's just, it's, it, it's something, uh, I mean, he, he well, became me, somebody who speaks so much bit. out of the box that he, he was able to speak out about it instead of become, you know, just controlled by it. So, so he's a rare one that's, that's survived to tell the tale as far as I'm concerned. Okay, I got a couple of tidbits of information on the guy for the uh, for the viewers who don't know who this gentleman is. But 
in addition to what Laura is telling you about this gentleman, he has a philosophy degree from the University of Cambridge, mm-hmm. as well as a number of other degrees. He's a he's a practicing attorney or was one. Uh, so we're not talking about a dummy here by any means. Um, of course, it doesn't. Um, mean that his credibility is solid or not. That's up to the, uh, the the viewer. But apparently he published a paper entitled The Discovery of Life on Mars on December 12, 2008 that contained photographic evidence and textual analysis of humanoid beings, animal species, carved statues, and built structures on Mars. There were derived from images taken by NASA's Mars Exploration Rover Spirit on the surface of Mars. His paper, which achieves over 50 firsts in science, is the first work to prove that Mars not only harbored life in ancient times, but is an inhabited planet today. So do you agree with this statement? Do you think that Mars is inhabited right now with humanoid beings like us? I... You know, I'm the kind of person where, you know, belief and knowledge and experience are all, you know, there's fine lines between all of them. I absolutely feel that that's the case. I, I trust what this man says. Um, and, you know, it's, it takes so much to come up with these sort of stories that, you know, even the, any one of us would rather write for Hollywood in some script than come forward and say this is our life and this is what we've been through. And, right. uh, you know, you can just feel it when we all talk to each other. I mean, we're, we're kind of like kind of supporting each other. We've... It's a lot to survive on a physical level, on a soul level, and um, so I can't say that, um, you know, until I see it myself, I can't really say absolutely, but I, I can just sense this. I know there's been ancient civilizations. I know that, you know, there's all these different dimensions, and some things one can see and others can't. You know, why are some people having certain experiences and others just aren't really able to access that? And I, I more understand things on a multidimensional level and, and how we're sort of having different experiences, but to close off one, you know, against the other doesn't make much sense to me. Because somebody could tell me something that I've never experienced before ever, and I'm going to be just as open to that as, as anything because the minute you shut the door on it, you take away part of our potential. It's a lot different when, when everybody's, you know, it's good to be skeptical, it's good to ask questions, but I think it's a lot wiser to have an open mind and try and cover things up or be in denial or say, you know, this isn't possible. Um, I know that I, you know, met with, I, I just, I, I mean, I, I know that I, I've, I've witnessed um, different levels of alien energies, you know, from, from good to, to not so good. And a lot of my partners were really manipulated by the not so good ones. And um, as far as Mars go and, and this mission that I was led, led on, um, I, I, I know that it had something to do with, you know, creating a new human genome there and, and taking certain bloodlines or certain uh, t- types of people to, to recreate, you know, conditions that could, you know, re- reseed civilization there. But th- it's different when you're doing it um, in the open as, as a way to protect the human race and, you know, really just open one up to, you know, some of these missions that, that are a lot more ethical, that are a lot more about, you know, figure it out and come along, you know. This is what it takes to get on the ship instead of some sort of secret where right. people are being targeted and harassed by technologies and, and, and forced into things against their own will. So okay. the minute um, consent is gone, that's the question. But Okay. Let's talk about some of the other things that Andrew uh, Basigio claims 
first of all, we talked about the animals, and then I, I guess it's just interesting to me that these people, uh, we're talking about obviously pretty well-educated folks are saying stuff that sounds absolutely impossible. So we, we have to look to get this gentleman on the program, Jackal, but let's get back Definitely. to Laura for a second. It's now, so you worth said it. You'll be amazed. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it because I'm sitting here reading stuff that the guy's claiming. For instance, I mean, I'll tantalize you, audience. First, this is quoting from him. I have found abundant evidence of humanoid beings of two types on Mars, one closely resembling modern human beings on Earth and the other the gray, the grays of the UFO contact literature. Uh, there are animals present and that have been on Earth and are now extinct, and many carved statues, as exemplified by the face on Mars, and, of course, the other thing he's claiming is built structures, aqueducts, buildings, and dead bodies that he's seen, including a large mass of dead humanoids littering the arroyo immediately west of the home plate plateau. And, you know, guys like Hoagland that I've talked to and... And Mike Barra, I want to find out what these guys think about a guy like this, because these guys have been studying Sidonia their half their life at this point, and right. the face yeah. on Mars. And... Oh, totally. Go ahead. Yeah, there's a lot of different researchers, and um, uh, you know, Wayne Herschel is one that that has has given a, amazing uh, information. Uh, he wrote a book called Hidden Records. Somebody to check out. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of different testimonies and a lot of different evidence. Um, from different sources, and they some match, some don't. But the thing is, what is the intention behind what Andy's saying? It's not so much, of course, it's far-fetched to believe. But I mean, what, what's the real mission here? It's preserve, it's, it's protecting the, the. Well, I'll, I'll tell you at least from what I gather, and it's very okay. similar to me. It's about protecting the human race and realizing that some of us are targeted that have a lot to do with being able to create um, on Earth the destiny of nature and, 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 and the planet outside of manipulation and outside of, you know, the villain's plots of, of you know, having control. And, and, I mean, there's so much potential here on this planet. There's already a positive timeline that's activated. And, um, you know, it's, it's like we've retrieved ourselves from the, the, the forces that pulled us to an off-planet existence. It'd be different if free will was involved, if there was some sort of ethics that were uh, associated with it. But, you know, a lot of it was not done in a way that, proved to be um, appropriate or supportive of what this planet is capable of. And instead of feeding the potential, it's, it's sabotaging it by pulling all those that they could see through remote viewing had, had some sort of calling or mission. And, you know, it's hard to put those into words. What, what are those things? But or, uh, why is it that I can't get a remote viewer to come on the program and do a test with me. I've asked so many of them. I've had some of the best ones on, mm -hmm. and I always yep. ask them to conduct a test, and none of them ever want to take me up on it. Why do you think that is? What I always ask them is, let's do something simple. I'll put something on my head. You can tell me what it is, or words to the effect, or something easy. Why do you think that a lot of these folks don't want to take me up on that within remote viewing? Because Are you a remote viewer? Me, I have no, I mean, I don't, it, honestly, I don't really know what it takes to be a remote viewer. I, I can see okay. energy, I can see people's souls. What's that noise? I don't know. There's anyway. a lot of back, background noise, guys. 
Somebody's line is definitely creating a whole hell of a lot of noise. It sounds alien-like. Yeah, it sounds bizarre. <laughs> it sounds like it's resonating on a, a much higher frequency level. Maybe that's a, a caller from uh, <laughs> Sirius or something for you, Laura. Oh, cool. I would love, I'll take your I call. Would love to get, you know what I would love to do? I'd love to get Bashar on the line with you. Have you seen Bashar? I don't know, but I, I'm, I'm, well, I'm open to anything. See, this is, there's a huge difference between somebody are. who's resistant and I says, like no, that. I don't want to do it. No, I'm hiding no, this. No, I, love see, about you. I have nothing to hide. I will, I will, I will go on the show with anybody, even the worst enemy. I, I have nothing, you know, I, I don't, <laughs> I, I, I will know, use all my psychic and clairvoyant abilities. I, have, I really don't have anything to hide. I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of here. I know. It's part, it's, it's not just service. Well, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm free and, and I, I live, I live an open book, so. Guys, are we having any luck with this background noise? Yeah, it's killing over here, guys. It's hard to conduct a, a, a an interview with that going on. If if the voice of reason can help, that'd be great. Um, Laura, what I'm trying to do is, I, I'm a fan. I like you. Uh, my gut likes you, um, and it's, it, it's. I'm trying to prep you for some of the the people that are going to start digging into your background. Like for instance. Are you open to taking, we have a good friend of the show, his name's Stan Romanek. Are you familiar with Stan? Nope. Okay, Stan Romanek, he's been on Larry King. He was probably the biggest um, contactee story of last year. Um, and he has been scrutinized to the hilt. He's written a, a book. He's been on Dateline recently or 48 Hours or one of those magazine um, programs. But... The, uh, the point I'm making is is that Stan took a lie detector test and uh-huh. failed it. Would you be open to taking a lie detector test? Absolutely. Okay, cool. That's great. It's good to know. I'm wondering yeah, if... Yeah, I, uh, I, I just don't know how to lie. I mean, I, I, I mean at times I, I wish this was all a lie. I, I mean, I, I would have chosen going to a loony bin over <clears throat> taking on this path. So. Yeah, it's I, well, an easy story to come option. forward with. It's not an easy yeah. story to come forward with. It's not at all. No. I can definitely understand that. Yeah, I mean, I, I questioned it along the way. I questioned yeah. everything along the way, and I said, if this is really real, um, that's one thing. But if I'm completely delusional, I'm more than happy to be taken away. And I've, I've been analyzed by psychiatrists. <laughs> I've gone to clairvoyant institutes. I've had every psychic, you know, the, the most renowned well, psychics read me. I've, you know, I've gone through it all. I've, I've, I've put myself through all those tests because I certainly. If you, if you get taken away, can you take Jackal with you? Because he's a little loony. <laughs> yeah, and I actually, yeah, I belong in a pen somewhere. How's that? <laughs> At least you like to play ping pong. I like to play ping pong. Hey, I, I love playing ping pong. Hey, look, I, I worked at go. Yahoo for, for years. <laughs> That's about all we did was play ping pong. Now, yeah. did you know that... <laughs> Hence the, why he doesn't work there anymore. Did anybody here know that Jackal does the best Arnold Schwarzenegger Hauser from the movie... About Mars ever, and if, why don't you? Could you, could you hit a, let's hit hear a, a, Let's hear uh, a little bit of Hausa. It's Hausa. Stop it! <laughs> you like discipline, Jesse? <laughs> He's so good. <laughs> He's, He's really, really good at that. Everybody's good at something. That's what hey, you're what? good at. Aww. That's my one. That's that's my one talent in life. That's that your one, but you're tough there. <laughs> I'm t- now, Laura. You said I'm you're looking for fortunate. people. <laughs> Hold on. You said you're looking for people. You said you're a newbie in this, okay? You're not a ufologist. You're, you've got thrown into this category. 
So now you're a character in it, okay? Um, you say you're looking for people to help you get this story out, and then you'll name names and come forward with the whole kibosh, correct? Yeah, I mean, I think there's uh, – I, I have a lot of information, and I know there's a lot of gray areas, and I know that other people can fill in those places. So I'm just sort of looking to put the puzzle together instead of, well, you know – What are you looking for? Because I can get it for you. What I'm trying to say is not only – I'm not trying to toot my horn here. I'm saying use me as a tool – I know everyone in ufology, and I have access to any sort of film endeavors and, and any kind of media that you want to utilize to get your message across. So, so talk to me on air, off air, but what exactly are you looking for specifically so that you can tell all? Right. Well, I guess, you know, those that are open to, you know, this Mars stuff, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of, of people in this um, you know, you, discussing UFOs that really do not want to, you know, discuss Mars or even give it a chance. And uh, it doesn't work for me because, I mean, out of all planets, I wouldn't have chosen Mars to be associated with. So um, I, I just, well, I, I'm happy to be associated with Mars, but, I mean, I didn't really want to go there. So I, I really want to understand um, things as far as, the ancient aspects of it to the modern day, um, you know, the difference between the 3D sort of global elite plans and, you know, something of our ancient origins that, you know, um, maybe, you know, and obviously we're on that planet before, and, and create that differentiation to draw a line in the sand so that whoever really, you know, is in support of the positive timeline and the truth, you know, we can, we can weed those people out versus those that absolutely think it's, you know, BS and, and, and want to... Um, you know, discount it completely. And so I'm just, you know, looking to not be stuck in the chaos of it anymore and, and the masks and the deceit and, and right, you know, the cover-up. Right, but here's my concern. And... Here's my concern. Stan Romanek I bring up for two reasons. One, number one, like I said, he, he went on these programs. He did the book. He did the special on TV. He did the lie detector. In my opinion, he did everything wrong. He got kind of taken in by the, being able to be on television and whatnot, they totally uh, took a story. Yeah, they took yeah, a story and they screwed it all up. Mm -hmm. um, and so I always warn people when they have something that's legitimate, and if they have real, concrete evidence to bring forward, <clears throat> the last thing they want to do is go on 48 Hours or one of the mainstream media devices because they're going to make sure that it comes across looking real stupid. Yeah, and I know this from the inside out because I know people who work at the stations as well, and they know what they do. They've been handed the evidence on silver platters, and they always bring yep. up the stupidest farmer they can find that has a head injury to talk about the subject. <laughs> so I'm, I, I'm warning you in a, in a nice way, because what I'm trying to say is when you're saying you're looking for people to assist you, there are charlatans out there that are just going to come at you not only to try to discredit you, but also they want to make a buck off you, obviously. Yep. Oh, no, and no, I'm aware of all that. I think I said that okay. in the last interview. But I, I'm, I'm more looking for uh, something that's not um, public consumption, just something, you know, a, a council to just really put our heads together. And I, I've already sort of developed that, and I feel, you know, I, I have enough around me. Um, it's not about assisting me. It's about assisting all um, to just, you know, bring clarity to the issue. It's, it's I, I have an understanding of things that are hard to articulate that I just, you know, feel um, 
you know, are, are in, in major alignment to what others are saying that I may, might not have personally experienced. But at the same time, um, I, I sort of feel that there's all these different levels of, of being and, and energy and there's all this polarity and, and, and friction and confusion that causes us to consider something an alien or something very far out of reach or something we don't understand. And to me, we're a lot more connected to all of it. I think it depends on how we carry ourselves and who we choose to contact and how, how you know, what we attract to ourselves. I mean, some people attract angels, some attract demons, some attract greys, some attract, uh, you know, draconians. I mean, there's there's a, an ample amount of things out there, and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're open to all of it. And, you know, my mission really is to just sort of stay on the positive timeline and kind of harmonize all these things because the wars and the threats can only find stability if we can start to work with each other so you're with an looking open mind. to set up so you're looking to set up some sort of group um not that, really i mean i am but it's, it's more i'm looking for it but it needs to sort of find me it's like i can throw it out there but i'm not i'm not putting all my energy on it i'm very independent i don't join groups i don't i mean right but okay, here's I, the I, i'm very careful came, about you, it because of the, the things you right. said let me let me ask you a question the, the reason and Keep in mind, I'm I'm playing devil's advocate here in a good way. I'm just almost. Oh, I know. I, I, I sort of have you on the witness stand, so to speak. Here, you I know love what I mean? it. It's great. Okay, Please. cool. Because what I'm saying is, Laura, you're coming forward with this sort of one-dimensional piece of a story that people want the goods on. Stan did the same thing. Okay, he kept telling us and keeps telling us there's more to come. The real stuff hasn't come out yet. I'm doing a new documentary now. And it's going to be great. And we've been waiting for, what, two years, Jackal? About two years, yeah. Two and, and a half years the around pro- there. Stan's a sweet guy. He's got mm-hmm. major people backing his story that I respect. Researchers from MUFON and alike. I still can't understand what they're impressed about, even though I like the guy. I really like Stan Romanek. But when it comes to Laura, you've come forward with this incredible tale, and we have one dimension of it we don't have any of the meat because for instance you know if you're trying to prove it in a court of law you need witnesses you need statements you need physical evidence and, oh i and, got all that I okay mean, I got so a lot you of have that. all that so when no. can this is the, this is the problem with ufology is that there's always the dangling of the carrot and people get frustrated so i guess what we're trying to say is it sounds like you have your ducks in a row when are we going to have the carrot not be dangled any longer and when are we going to get all the meat to this story. <laughs> it's so awesome. I, I love how you worded that. Um, Thank you. Well, I, I'm, pre- <laughs> I'm pretty much, I don't really require anything but just me. So, yes, I'd love support, but, I, I you know, I, I feel like you know, I, I'm carrying the meat and um, I, I can eat the carrot. I, I'm, I, I'm not worried about, uh, it's not about what other people think and about trying to convince anybody of anything. It's basically, I know that truth knows who it is and there's no way to destroy it. You know, people can turn away from it. People can, you know, be open-minded to it. But what is is what is. And most of my life has been about proving something that I know is true wrong just in case it is wrong. So when I found out that I couldn't prove it wrong, it was staring at me in the face. But it wasn't like I had this thing going and I had been trying to stand up for it and advocate for it because to me that's what truth is or this is what the truth is about everything, it was more like, well, let me put you through the lie detector test. Let me put you through everything that this world puts people through and see if you still stand strong. And it did. And that's why I came out, because you go through enough, and then you're finally like, okay, 
it's not going anywhere. It's like there can be clouds that block the sun, but, you know, the sun's still shining behind it. You can't make it stop unless, of course, nature does. Um, so I, I'm standing very strongly, and, you know, as far as my terminology, as far as my explanations, as far as how I put it into words, is another thing, but that's where, you know, support might be able to help because they could say, all right, maybe she's not speaking your language and you don't really get what she's saying. Well, here's a terminology you might be able to connect with. That's about as much help as I need, but I don't need, I mean, it's it's not about, right now, it's not about proving what's real. It's about me, my truth is about saying what our potential is and what our threats are and what we need to do to make right, it through the Right, but they're connected. They're connected because of course. Uh, I, I, my audience and Jackal can speak for himself, and the voice of reason can speak for himself, but my audience is usually the upper echelon of intelligence level people. They're multi-degreed in computer science, nuclear physicists, you name it. Yeah, um, and that's I grew up around that. Or, exactly. So you, you, it, it's got to be, they need the meat. They're not going to take I, it face value. Absolutely. Right. You know what I mean? Okay, so so you mean that kind of meat. I meant just the raw truth of right here, right no, now. This no, no, I up. mean the goods, the, like, the like proof, proving the it in a court of law. You know, like you yeah, said. in fact, I was uh, going to ask, you know, what kind of proof exactly do you have? Because uh, you do say you have some evidence, some proof. Well, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what I would have to come up with. I, I, I have emails. I have conversations. I have... Well, that's a good start. Um, I have I have renowned start, yeah. psychics that they could sit sit with me in a room and and tell you what they're seeing in my aura because it's one thing for somebody to spew a bunch of stuff. It's another thing to have about five people that are looking at you and telling others what her story is and what she's saying because most of the information I have is a lot of it is from from other people helping me realize you know be anchored and grounded in this because this is this is real and when you have ten twelve people saying the same thing over the course of five ten years. And you know their names, and you can look them up at any time, and they're, and they're more than willing to come and speak on my behalf, including my partner and numerous friends as, as witnesses. Um, I mean, I've got all the witnesses. I have a family, you know, who obviously is a pretty, you know, well-known name who can, you know, pretty much back up certain things. I don't know if they're willing to, but, I mean, I would say where my strongest suit is is, is witnesses. Okay. Okay. Well, That's where I have the most strength. And then journaling and writing this down, you know, all along the way and, um, as far as Andy goes, I think you really need to get him on the show. I think, you know, if you ever do two people on a show together, him and I work, you know, pretty well together complimenting these stories. Um, he helps fill right. in a lot that I can't even put into words. The problem oh, with guys yeah, we, like we Andy, do that. the problem with potential problems, and, and keep in mind, I'm talking off the top of my head here, and this is where okay. we always run into problems. See, with, with an abduction case, there's only a couple things you can do to try to prove, and I use that in, in, in quotes, that the case is legitimate because obviously the person isn't going to bring in um, witnesses that are from other planets. They can't do that. So we have hypnotic regression, as you all know, and then we have physical evidence at times, whether it be implant removal uh, by, uh, by some of our colleagues or um, marks on the body, etc. But that's it. What's intriguing about stories that Andrew comes forward with and that you come forward with is that the, the golden fleece, the pot of gold at the end of the ufology rainbow is to be able to find the source, the terrestrial source of either the cover-up or the black budget project and be able to go after that person. And oh, I, I can either, do that. I have all those names. <laughs> that's what we want. That's oh, well, what we need to Well, I have all that. See, do. I have – okay, so I have witnesses. I have names. I have names of okay. secret organizations. 
I also have, you know, psychics that are willing to come forward and validate my experience. And I have, um, you know, uh, you know, obviously Ike has a lot of rumors attached to him as far as these treaties go. But then there's the whole mystery of how these things work with us. I mean, we have to realize that we're not, they're not going to make it easy. I mean, we always have to prove everything with science, and I understand the audience that you have. But there's certain things that just for the sake of our own protection, it's worth just giving ourselves a chance to be open to it because being close to it at this point, you know, if we're sitting here waiting for more proof and more proof and more proof because it's just not enough, then we're going to miss the bus. And so I, I have enough for at least, you know, most people I run into and talk to at any great length to just be like, whoa, you know, that, I mean, well, why would you have It's not so much to- having enough proof to believe you. That's part of it. It's having enough proof and putting it together in the correct way so it doesn't get dismantled and disoriented like what happened with Romanek. But again, it's being able to do it so that other people can pick up the football from you and run with it. Guys that are really good at this, guys like Stanton Friedman that I know who has sat and looked at, you know, Freedom of Information Act documents all his life and is back, he's knocked on every door in the world to get information about this subject. So if there were people to go after, there are there are great people that we know, Don Schmidt, people like that, who will go after these people. And I don't mean it in a bad way. I mean to expose the truth of this. Oh, well, and that's I have when... to see this is what I need. Yep. Well, if you really want to get down, because I, 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 I waver between forgiveness, you know, as long as we don't feed them power anymore, they're just going to fall off the map because they'll be starved of our energy because they, a lot of the manipulation is that, you know, these hidden agendas are woven into the fabric of, of humanity and, and our physical life and careers and school systems and religion and everything. And, you know, it's a very hard thing for us all to break free from or, or it's a rude awakening to, to think that you trust something that's actually not really out for your freedom and, and greater good. So, you know, I could sit in a, in a council of people that you're mentioning and name all the names and um, discuss things that, yeah, I know I have enough backup for sure. I, I really would not come forward unless I did. It's just what I exposed on the air is one thing. And as far as, you know, the alien thing, you know, I, I tune into a lot and I see a lot when I read people. The only alien encounter I had was with, with the higher beings that were keeping me on the positive timeline. Um, I, I'm very aware, though, of holographic chips, false abductions that, that these the secret groups or whoever it is mimic in order to lead people to believe that they have some calling and, you know, they're serving the good and, and right. really it's, it's, Laura, it's not. even if... and we're running out of time, but even if 5% of your story was verifiable in the directions that I'm talking about, then we're gold. And that's why I'm trying to say, you know, let's talk offline more about this, but utilize me and Jackal and the the folks that we know as a a utility, Um, Uh, not to make money. Because we don't make money off this. I don't but make money doing help, anything that I do. <laughs> I know. But that's what they, these other folks have fallen into that trap. And I don't mind oh. people making money. But the I, problem not, is, that's is not the my people, motivation. I understand that. And, and as long as, uh, like I said, at least we know who the good people are in this business and the good researchers, the guys who can actually dig up the real deal on these people, ex-military people and alike. They have experience. Jackal, we're out of time. Um, yeah, we can we can choose to uh, go on a little bit longer if we want. Uh, I, I I, you know okay, what? I you know. can't. I have to make a dinner yeah. meeting. But uh, you know, Laura, we have to talk offline. So I'll, yeah. I will email you if you like, and we can Please. talk. Please. I will Please, do that. This week. I, I mean, now I really get what you're saying, and, and I and I and I know that I have, I have the components that that would really just shake if it all up. You have the components. And, and 
You can shake it up. I'm telling you, to get mainstream yep. interested, you got to bring the meat. You gotta, it, it'll shake them. If 10% of your story is true, it's going to shake them to the bone. Oh, well, that's I mean, easy. That's, no, I got that. I got sound technologies that are proving that what's behind my – I mean, I have prints from technologies that they can verify that are beyond the lie detector test that I have with me right now. So. Okay, Jackal, I'm going to cut out. You continue the interview, and uh, I'll, I'll talk to everybody tomorrow. Okay, and I'll All be right. in touch then. This is fascinating. Thank you, Laura. Okay, thank you. Take care. You too. All right, Laura. Now, let's go. Let's get to see. And I think the uh, the sound issue was definitely coming from Jesse's computer, uh, Rick. Perhaps. Yeah, it kind of went away a little bit there, Laura. But let, getting back to to your story, let's actually go all the way back here before you know before we got to the conversation at the end there. Uh, you know, how long have you been doing uh, psychic work or medium work or? Or you know, any, or actually doing remote viewing work. Yeah, I don't. Well, remote viewing, I still grapple with that. Like, what does that mean exactly? Just being psychic? I, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, I guess I do get it, but I, to me, it's like I use it not in a manipulative. Okay, just to answer your question. I've been okay. doing readings uh, for myself and just being in that zone for maybe 20 years. Um, okay. When I. Yeah, when I when all this stuff was really affecting me just as a child, I mean, this started at the age of seven or eight, these these strange occurrences and frequencies and attacks. So I, I, I picked up tarot cards pretty quick, and they were, you know, my guide and everything. And then professionally, um, I would say about two, year 2000, I really started to give people readings, and now, I you know, I do it all the time. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very ethical about it, and it's, it's – I, I, don't, I don't look in places where I don't think I belong unless I'm invited – and that, that's the difference between maybe remote viewers that just, you know, they, they feel like they have free reign and they can just jump all over the place and then speak on its behalf. And they don't understand, you know, the difference between probability and, um, you know, certain timelines. You know, our thoughts, you know, can carry a train of information and, and, and creativity that can lead us down a certain road. But there's nothing that's creating um, a, a permanence except for, except for nature's will. I mean, that's the strongest and that's the most dominant out of anything is, is what nature and the forces that are beyond us and even aliens, you know, choose to create. So all these other things seem to be exhausting themselves. Um, yeah. And so the, the only thing that I see as a psychic clairvoyant type is, is the forces of nature and, and, and source energy and, and all these different elements and, and entities that fall between it are just doing their thing until they realize it's not going to really go anywhere. Um, even if they control nature itself, um, first of all, there's a backlash, and second of all, that creative power doesn't just get destroyed because it's associated with one particular planetary body. And that's where we have to have an open mind to the fact that life does exist on other planets and has in the past. It just and, kind of and, switches. But And it will in the future continuously on and on and on. But a real quick question. Now, you spoke about the greys earlier. You said that they were... Uh, part of the races that are on Mars currently. Uh, are those, I mean, a lot of people have been saying that the greys might be robotic beings or might be, uh, you know, a kind of a slave race type of type of being. And, of course, you know, there's a talk of the Anunnaki. Are you familiar at all with the Anunnaki? And, Absolutely, uh, with, uh, yep. Okay. Yeah. Now, okay. There's, uh, there's some talk that the Anunnaki might be using the greys as uh, slave labor almost or uh, sort of, uh, you know, Kind of like the the do boys, they they send them out to do the missions for them. Do you think the Anunnaki are the ones that are running around uh, behind the scenes, kind of you know controlling the entire you know thing? That's you know my suspicions, and that's you know what I've been writing about. Um, and it goes real deep in my intuition. You can call it past lives. I don't know care what you call it, but um, 
Yeah, it's, it's just a very lower, you know, if, if one can see things like sedimentary or different layers of the ocean, I mean, we're talking about a very low, low vibration and, and a low intention that has a lot of power that's learned how to mimic uh, the natural power of, 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 of nature and mimic it enough to actually control it and, and screw with it. And, um, you know, our awareness and our power, our own, our own power can, can trump it. But if we're asleep and we can't tell, then we're, you know, at its mercy. And at the same time, these things that, you know, having these researchers and having these names and locating these places where these technologies are being used is crucial because, uh, you know, there, there's a war between nature and technology, but the negative kind, not, not the good kind, the, the kind that is really here to try and take over. And mm -hmm. um, so as much as we're on the positive timeline, a part of that is because the activation process has already happened to to – get this process going. I wouldn't be talking to you guys right now unless, you know, we were really starting to create an action plan. And um, when I broke away from the Mars thing and, and, and broke free of it, they, they said that, you know, I think David Wilcock or some source said that the negative timeline has been destroyed. And I also had a dream that all these robots were attacking me and trying to kill me. And, and there were children's toys that were turning into, like, robots. It was, like, something you can't see that you think is okay. Um, and then somebody handed me a whistle. They said, play the whistle. And I played the whistle, and everything started to explode and deactivate. So I've always had the confidence that everything's going to be fine. It's just I need to be taken seriously enough because I have an intuitive sense of what needs to be done. And so it doesn't mean, you know, I'm the leader of it or I'm just one who, who needs to be taken seriously. And no matter how yeah, doubted I am, it doesn't matter. You're one of, one of the pieces of the puzzle uh, in a sense. Right, and there's many. A, an important piece. Yeah, and, and that, I would assume there'd be a lot of pieces, uh, especially if they're recruiting people for these kind of projects. Uh, I mean, it, it's uh, amazing that, uh, you know, that this would be going on right under our noses and with the budget that, you know, must take to even build something like that on another planet. Uh, you I, can it, imagine exactly. that. Uh, yeah, it, and the thing is, I mean, it's like if, it becomes a – sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm saying, if this, is, if this is all real, it's incredible the, uh, the, the amount of secrecy that's going on because this is beyond just a Roswell crash. Uh, this, this is, is so way out there. Yeah, this is way out, you know, just life on other planets. Uh, right. You're talking about a global conspiracy oh. uh, to not only hide the, the fact that there's life on other planets, but the fact that there is uh, an abundance of life on other planets. And there's life right next door on Mars, and we have colonies on Mars. We're talking it's about even a beyond lot. that. It's the, it's the human yeah. manipulation with technologies to to use those agendas with these lower alien races to to, to completely um, be unethical with with the freedom of humanity. Not by just not just by keeping those things secret, but by 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 taking our power and our our, our vision, our creativity away, and and using some of the key players and trying to recruit them into their plan. I mean, the thing is about secrecy. It's like this has been a secret. Like this has been like a double life that I've lived since I was a kid, and I've never been able to communicate to anybody about it without sounding wacko. So you know, it's not just a hidden like thing. It's it's like some of us who have gone through it. We kind of have to stay in hiding or else people think yeah. we're crazy. And some of us are brave enough to come forward and know it's not easy and we're going to be prodded and doubted. But, you know, this is a lifelong thing for most of us that we're finally just and, – and, and a lot of your audience and um, those who have been, you know, contactees and have been abducted and messed with, they're, they're in the same boat. You know, mine's a little bit different, um, but it's all that secrecy and then that, that pain and that, that double life that people are living that they, they can't communicate about. And, you know, the pieces have to come together because not just life on other planets, but a absolute disgusting and unethical uses of technologies to, to really screw with and harm the organic nature of, of man and, and woman. Um, and these things, everything is so easily solved. That's the problem. And so my, my thing right now is to just 
amplify and illuminate the solution while nailing the ones that I know are behind the rest. But without, no, you know, but in private. <laughs> right, in private. Yeah, no, and uh, Rick, I think you had uh, something for uh, Laura you want to get on the air. Well, yeah, actually, you mentioned budget, and that is, of course, the thing that leads to a paper trail. Yes. So you have mentioned, Laura, you and others have mentioned a massive colony effort as well as these jump booths, time travel, incredible technologies uh, that don't come cheaply. Mm -hmm. Can you give us some idea of the scale of these things? Uh, how, how many colonists could this colony support? How many jump booths are there, as far as you know? Um, various things like that. Because as, as soon as we know the details of the technology and the scope, then we can start chasing a paper trail. Right. Well, Andy's the man to have on the show because I, I've never heard anybody articulate this as well as he does and have archives of information regarding this stuff. And like I said, I'd be happy to be on a show with him. Um, I haven't gotten all those details, and I don't want to, you know, speak on behalf of something that I don't have, you know, total answers to. That's why I'd pass a lie detector test because look at me. I, I, look at me. I can't even pretend to know <laughs> something that I don't. I'm, I'm very honest because I, my physical body, like, is allergic to lying and being controlled and negative technologies. There's, those are the three things I'm most allergic to. So, um... I know that there's a large number, but the numbers that will be destroyed um, are, are even it's, – it's just like the Second World War. It's, it's, there's a dominant idea of, of these, this is what we need, and this is, this is what's going to create a better civilization based on Darwinism, just survival of the fittest. This seems to be the most strongest of genetics. You know, but, but people don't realize that sometimes the genetics have nothing to do with the power of spirit, and, and that holds such a higher candle to somebody having, you know, good resistance to illness. I mean, there's, there's other capabilities and things that everybody has access to, that if we could just allow it to be anchored and, and amplified, we're all equals. And there is no separation from God. It's not something out there. It's within us. There's no better race. And um, so what they want to do is take enough of a piece of each of what they think is superior and plant it over there. And I would say the numbers, you know, are hard to say, and the, and the jump rooms are, I, I wouldn't have those answers, but I know that the intention is just as, as close-minded and arrogant as, as uh, what we've seen in history. And it's just, it's, the war has changed. Now it's, it, it's, it's a psychic war. It's a, it's a, like I said, a war between nature and, na and I know who's going to win, but I know what i got to do to promote that um, possibility amongst others. And, Andy, somebody to be taken seriously, and I wouldn't say that if I didn't think so. Laura, real quick, and getting back to the Anunnaki question here, uh, do you think 2012, the Anunnaki and all that stuff, is going to play a major role in the next couple of years with your story coming out now? Uh, do you yeah. think other people are going to start coming forward that even you don't know uh, because of 2012 being right around the corner? Yeah, no, a lot's going to hit the fan, and the thing is, all I know is I'm, I'm sort of expecting the most extreme and uh, just just to protect myself. There's, there's going to be all sorts of things, um, visitors from other planets, and, like, this is the second coming of so-and-so. It's You know, there's a lot of things that are playing on, you know, just a movie script of, of what people are expecting. And mm -hmm. so I, I really do hold this, 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 this flame of, of um, something so unusual that people can't comprehend. I mean, what I went through as a child, stripping myself of any identity as a person or even as a human and really giving myself to the forces of, you know, 
from source to, to the underworld to, to nature itself, I gave myself to those forces knowing that that is what is protecting us and unconditionally loves us. Everything else, you know, about um, some, you know, those things are going to happen, but there's, there's a lot of deceit that, that we're in for. And, uh, you know, I at least, I, I don't know why I've been given the role that I have. Even if nobody believes me, I'm really glad that I know what I know because I feel safe. And I know that I'm walking through something. I'm opening some sort of portal or gateway. I'm, I'm not alone in this because I represent a unified field. But if those choose to block the fact that we, we do have that connection, um, they, they're going to fall prey to these manipulations. And it takes a lot. That's why I give readings. I help people see themselves separate than the false matrix and really find their organic nature. And um, so... You know, I can be counted on for that. I might be a little weird, and I'm still getting over all the trauma, and I'm a bit of a freak, but, you know, I, I do hold something that everything has forced me to, to step up to the plate for, and, and, it, and it has no agenda but the well-being of, of, of humanity and, and, and the planet, because I'm absolutely in love with this planet. I know, yes, other planets can be inhabited, but not through these vicious, um, just uh, sinister, freaking, uh, inhumane ways. That's not how we're meant to ascend. Not, not, you know, and, and, and that's what I'm, I'm, I'm here to kind of break down, and I'm not alone. I mean, you're, we're all doing this as we talk. So, uh, it's, it's, and, and if you look at a human organism, it's called the ego dying and the spirit being illuminated, but still having an identity and a self, because you can't get rid of ego, but it's about divine will. It's not about being Correct, perfect. Yeah. It's about not harming others. And, um, you know, we just have to just, like, really unify and connect on that, and, and they don't stand a chance. It's our fear that blocks our power. Here's a, here's a, here's a question for you now. Uh, I completely agree that, you know, it, the ego is uh, definitely there to try to protect others and protect humanity, and, and it's used almost as a defensive mechanism by the humans, by the human mind. But, uh, you know, putting the ego aside, uh, if, you know, the Anunnaki were the ones that seeded us, that created us, uh, why, what would be the purpose of them continuing to do genetic manipulations and continuing uh, to try to change the species. Like you're saying, they're trying to change the species around a little bit. Uh, what would be the reason behind that? Do you know that? Well, they're not the true um, parents. Uh, they, they try and convince everybody that they're the creators. Um, the Anunnaki also has Anana, who's a goddess who goes into the underworld, the seven layers of hell, and um, tries to reclaim all the aspects. Actually, my, my astrological chart is identical to that, and I go through the same journey. I'm not trying to say, oh, I am that, even though many psychics say that, but there is this, you know, Enki and Enlil and Anu, the father, you know, there is this mm -hmm. dynamic and these dramas that I've been dealing with on a mythological level or whatever you want to call it, that I write about it, it's on my site, you know, about these dynamics. I wrote a big article called The Ancient Game, the source and the root of everything that's happening right now and the alien races that are behind it and the, and the real deal and what is behind the curtain of the curtain that we think is behind the curtain, something far more profound that is wanting, which, which I represent, to activate the, the true DNA to stop this sort of genetic manipulation where, you know, we're, we're subject to illnesses and epidemics and, and, and we're giving our power to this and our power to that. It's like, you know, what I'm here to do is to awaken the divine seed that's within all. And it's not in a biblical way. It's not in a religious way. But it's something that's going to protect us and it's going to restore our, our, our genetics. And um, the Anunnaki, you know, it's kind of like a family tribe, but it, it, it actually was birthed from Tiamat and, and Sophia, and, and right. then Marduk came and slashed that on. That's, okay, that's myth. But, you know, when you're somebody who is not much into researching or getting their head into all this, and you just know this stuff, 
because it just kind of like appears as you kind of go through it. I have to take it seriously. And the reason I'm not afraid to share it is because I'm already, they've already destroyed me. I mean, what, what, what do I have to lose? But the thing is, there's regeneration. There's, there's transformation. There's the ability to just get back up and, and create, you know, a whole new set of circumstances that promote um, the sensitivity to where others are, are being completely led astray that just need that, that bit of uh, death and, you know, just regeneration and transmutation out of it. And so I'm kind of offering that, you know, the destruction of, of that falseness into the illumination of who we really are. And that has nothing to do with me. It's just I'm, I'm kind of speaking on behalf of that divinity within all that is screaming to come out, that is what is going to completely protect us. It does, those things can't touch that, but they have such an ability to take that away to make us vulnerable. I mean, why does anybody get sick? I mean, mm -hmm. it's all a part of, you know, there, there's no reason for everything to be happening as it's happening, but it's all a part of this incredible restoration process and this great awakening to, you know, really what is our source. It's something that we, when people talk about oneness and it all sounds sort of new agey and, oh, we're all this, I mean, there is a oneness. I mean, we all are equals. We resonate on a, on a specific level where it appreciates our diversity, like we're a web of life within, you know, a, a, a unit of, of, of a collective um, just harmony. And uh, they will do everything in their power to disrupt it. And I've been dealing with them for many, many lifetimes. And most of these psychics that will come even out on the mainstream to back this up about me and the sound technologies that are backed up know that I know this. And I've known this for thousands and thousands of years. And I've been doing this for thousands and thousands of years. So that's a whole other element. I can prove that a lot more than um, what exactly is happening on Mars. But we'll, we'll choose Andy for that because Andy's Andy's, Andy knows yeah. what he's saying. I can... And, and just uh, just to you know, go on the record here, we're going to try to get Andrew on the show here in the near future. Uh, you're definitely willing to come back and, uh, and be on the show with him, correct? Absolutely. But right, so, yes, yeah, so I guess my point is uh, when you talk about Anunnaki or any of these races, I, I have a deep sense, and, and it's not just knowledge, it's not just research, but I, I can have people actually help others to understand the whole story by just reading me better than I can articulate. Because I, I hold all that, I, you know, and I'm sure a lot of us do, but there's something um, that has a direct relationship with them. Or they, yeah. They've specifically made me the character that they want to destroy, uh, amongst others. But there's something, you know, when they, when they told, you know, Agent X and, and all these others, uh, the, the Sophia part of it, it's, it's not that I'm that any more than anybody else, but I'm most threatening to them because they know that I'm completely incapable of being controlled. And so the only target that they could have is to choose the people that I'd fall in love with, to be bait and lure me in, and, and, and then my heart would explode, right? What a traitor. Oh, my God. Well, he's being manipulated. Okay. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, just to be, to be fair, uh, manipulation takes place in, in a lot of different forms. Uh, you yourself could be manipulated over the years, you know, to believe a lot of this stuff. So, exactly. Uh, you know, that's why yeah, I went into yeah. the wilderness. Yeah, no, thank you for saying that because I think people need to know this. I went into the wilderness for a couple of years, and mm -hmm. I fasted for, you know, 14 days plus, and I did everything wow. that I possibly could, yeah, to rid myself of any possible frequency or manipulation or, or you know, let's, or, let's, yeah. yeah, and like, let's, you know, put a storyline on this, this one, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and then she can be an agent to lead us astray, and say, I mean, I worried about all that, I'm like, maybe, I, you know, like I said, I, 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 I thought, you know, it might be better that I'm just put away, because what if I'm harming everybody by having such a great message that's actually, like, a crock of shit, stuff, you know? <laughs> Excuse my language. So, it's I mean, okay. I, I, was, I was just as much 
worried about that as, as, as anybody else would be. And, and that's, you know, another five years of, of analyzation and probing on my part to just make sure of that. And, you know, it's, it's, it's something that only the, those that are closest to me can, can validate and those that, you know, have, have done this for a long time and have, you know, have that clear seeing that can validate. Um, and then, like I said, the sound technology. So it doesn't come to a point where I have thoughts, like, oh, that sounds nice. I don't have voices in my head. I don't think anything. It's like it's like something I, I surrendered somehow. I said, "There's something really screwed up." You can use my body to make it right. It's almost, Here you it's go. almost like you know. It's almost like you just know. I just do it. I don't think. Yeah. It's like I just said, "Here, use me as a vessel, and and whatever you need to do to make everything okay, you can use my body for it." And and I don't feel run by anything. I just feel like my higher being is running the show in my own heart. Um, I don't feel like I let something possess me, but I just I, I just made that commitment, and I, it's just something I've been devoted to for as long as I know. And it's, no. and it's go ahead. Go on. No, no, go ahead, Dad. Yeah, no, it's just something that uh, can't really be ripped away from me because it, it doesn't start in the mind. It's, it's so much deeper than that. I was going to say, uh, do you, are you familiar with Art Bell and the show Coast to Coast AM? Yeah. Art Bell, uh, back in the uh, early 2000s and late 90s around there, he used to have uh, a saying, which which he would say a lot on the show, called the quickening. And he would refer to the way things seem to be speeding up for us all. You know, the years just fly by now. Uh, he called it the quickening, that it seems to be getting quicker and quicker as the years pass. Uh, and it almost seems like it's, you know, heading to an end point. Uh, of course, this was, you know, 10 years ago. The end point could be 2012. But it's very... Very funny that around this time period, as you know, Art Bell was talking about that, and and we have more, you know, people coming forward with certain information like you're coming forward with. We also have a movie like, uh, for example, Avatar come out, which deals directly with you know the life of a planet and how the beings yeah. on the planet are one with that with that planet. And uh, you know, it's funny that this is now the number one movie on the planet. Yay! You know what I mean? So it, yeah. it does seem like there is uh, this coming together of the beings on this planet to almost uh, say, you know, this is important. And we all kind of get that this is important, that taking yeah, care of our point. planet and ourselves Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's how it is for me. It's not just one day, oh, I think I'll tell this story. It seems like a good day to do it. No, it's like you can't sleep at night. I mean, it's like you just know that there's something moving quicker than you that you're keeping up with because as much as one just tries to have a normal life, you know, I just want to have a normal life sometimes. And it's just something so much stronger than me, and it just says, no, it's, this, it's time for this, but it's not a voice. It's just something that is connected to my passion, to my to my truth. But, you know, it's just kind of like, okay, all right, you're right. Now's the time. Um, I've, I've attempted so many times to come out with this and then kind of gave up, but then I could feel, like, the sun come up, like somebody's actually going to open the door for you, and you can talk about this now. But I never wanted yeah. to force it because the intention, you know, was never, you know, self-serving. Um, but yeah, no, everything's coming together and it's, it's very much connected to what really counts and what our, p- our greatest potential is. And, and, you know, I, I just really feel that when we overcome these obstacles and we are faced with certain decisions and, and, and we, we reclaim ourselves from manipulation, you know, it inspires the collective to receive all the storylines that, that represent, um, our soul. Or, or our, our divine blueprint, and, and that's what that movie represents to me. And, you know, we've, we all kind of co-create together, and, and freaking Cameron was the man to just, like, pick up on it and just say, hey, <laughs> this is where we're at right now. And that was the greatest omen I've ever seen in this mainstream America and world. <laughs> yeah, no, and it, it's amazing uh, the fact that he not only, uh, you know, took down Titanic's record after, you know, only a decade, 
Uh, and it was his own movie, obviously. But with a movie like this, which really had no prehistory. I mean, nobody really knew about the characters or the movie itself. It just kind of came out, and it was, and it's become this phenomenon, uh, which really, when you look at the deeper meaning in the movie, there is a very deep underlying meaning uh, to the film when it comes to the relationship between the beings and between the planets. And uh, it really, I do believe, I do believe where you're coming from that it, it is all connected. It really is all one. Uh, you know, and even the paranormal ufology, I do believe there is a connection between everything. Uh, of course, you know, say a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, if an alien came down, you know, and, and abducted somebody, they're going to look at him as a demon. So a lot of the stuff that was written back then, as you know, as far as demons were concerned, could have just easily been aliens coming down to, to abduct people or do you know whatever they were doing back then. So there, there is, uh, there seems to be this oneness, this connection of everything, uh, which is pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing the fact that you're coming forward with this now, and of course we're having all this coming up, and 2012 is right around the corner. It keeps going back to 2012 for me. I think that that is really going to be the point where, like you said, the, the shit's going to hit the fan. Right, right. It's, it's, it's time to sort it out, you know, and everybody's going to have the choice and, and things are going to split and the rivers are going to choose, you know. And, and the, the thing is, it's up to us individually to choose where we're headed. It's like we, we always worry about, well, this is going to happen to all of us. And, yes, big things are going to happen, but at the same time, we're, we're lucid dreamers. We're following the trail of our dreams and our projections and uh, of what our creativity, I mean, we're artists. So, you know, we're not really carrying somebody else's karma, but we have for a long time, you know, just trying to figure out, ourselves as a species because we're reflections of each other. You know, you walk into a library, and there's at least a book on every shelf that somebody has touched that wants to read. But for one person, there's a book over there, but they're never going to touch the book over there, but somebody else did. So it's just as weird as somebody having an alien encounter, you know, or talking to an angel. It's just as diverse as who walks into a library and what book are they going to pick. And there's books yep. I'll never touch that others are completely into, but I respect it, and I, I know that it's part of the... Mate, uh, a part of the the, the web of life um, in the deepest way. And what's interesting about that movie is like Dances with Wolves, where there's somebody who's a part of the system or a part of, you know, serving, you know, not a so very good agenda, who is completely inspired and awakened by really understanding what it means to be connected to the earth. You know, um, yep. that happened, you know, what was his name? Uh, Kevin Costner, I guess, played it. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. became a part of the Native American tribe. It was certainly not beginning like that. And then Avatar, you know, he just he he just he became that. And that's our potential mm-hmm. right there is that we are able to wake up. You know, we are not destined to be genetically tied to these games and this bullshit. And the ones that are behind it, you know, who's the character in Avatar that ended up getting killed? You know, everybody was ready mm-hmm. to just nail him. And every storyline, yep. even in fairy tales, there's always a villain but it's always happy ever after. We wouldn't have that blueprint unless it was true. <laughs> I agree. No, and I, like I said, I, I believe you. I think you're, you're, you're honest. I think you're just telling the truth as far as you know what, what's going on. Uh, and I want to thank you for coming on the show again on such short notice. I really appreciate you coming on here. We're definitely going to have you back on with Andrew gets on, on you know, when we're able to get him, get him on the show. We're running out of time, but we're, we're wrapping up at 1030 tonight. Uh, we extended half an hour just to go a little bit over with you here, but uh, it's, a, it's been a great honor to have Thank you back you. on the show here. I look forward to having you back on with Andrew, and in the near future, if you just want to come back and talk a little bit more about you know your story, you're welcome to back you know back here. Uh, you're part of our family here on Sky Watchers Radio. Uh, real quick though, before you, guys you do are my leave, family, and I love being here. Before you do leave us, though, I want you to do me one small favor here, and uh, this is something okay. new we're doing, we're doing with all our guests, especially the important guests. Can you give me a small bumper? And uh, what I mean by that, just uh, I need you to say, uh, this is Skywatchers Radio, and I'm Laura Magdalene Eisenhower. 
This is Skywatchers Radio, and I'm Laura Magdalene Eisenhower. That works. That's going to be one of our future bumpers for the show here. <laughs> Yay. Thank you so much, dear. I really do appreciate you coming out, like I said. And, oh, thank you uh, for Rick, having me. Any, any last questions for our guests here before we let her go? Uh, no, but I will say the best of luck to you. I know you've got a rough row ahead of you, so. Yeah, good luck. It, when do I never have a rough row? <laughs> well, we're, we're going to try to help you as much as possible. You know, what Jesse said that he, he you know, he's honest. He can definitely uh, help out in a lot of the stuff that you're trying to get done. So, you know, use us as much as possible. We'll be more than happy to help out and lend a hand at any, any uh, turn that you need. So just uh, be in contact with us. Don't lose uh, my contact number or Jesse's, and uh, we'll be in touch with you, too. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to be totally in touch. Thank you so much. Have a great night. You too, dear. Take care and God bless. Okay, God bless. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, folks, that's the uh, the great Laura Eisenhower uh, here on Skywatchers Radio with us. And that she gave us the bumper, Rick. That's awesome. Yep. Need to get her on camera to do that next time. That, well, next time when we have her and Andrew, we'll definitely do that. We'll put something like that together. Uh, but, you know, it, it's a great show. We were able to go a little bit over. I think, you know, like I said, there's an honesty in her voice, which I do believe. I think that she really believes what she's saying. Uh, whether, you know, she's being manipulated or whether it is all true, uh, you know, we'll never really be able to tell, but I do think there's an honesty in her voice, uh, which, you know, demands further investigation. Welcome. Come check out Future Theater Radio, hosted by the wonderful Bill and Nancy Burns. If the name sounds familiar, that's because Bill Burns was the host of UFO Hunters on the History Channel, and Nancy Burns runs UFO Magazine at ufomag.com. They started up a new show produced by Land Land Fear called Future Theater. It started about a month and a half ago, and i got to say, they are doing some amazing shows there. Fantastic interviews and just great information that they are getting out to the people. Their shows air live every Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And you can tune in by going to futuretheater.com. All their past shows are there in the archives, so you got some catching up to do. Future Theater Radio is going to be the next big thing in paranormal and UFO radio. Don't miss out on this great opportunity to be with them from the start. I'm Jamie Havikin for Future Theater Radio. Take care and keep your eyes on the sky. This is Dr. David Lewis Anderson, and you are listening to Sky Watchers Radio TV. Is the world coming to an end in 2012? Have aliens visited the Earth? Do ghosts haunt the living? Is time travel possible? Is there a government conspiracy to keep the dark truth hidden? Former Yahoo executive and lifelong student of the secret and suppressed Jesse Randolph asks the tough questions to bridge the gap between corporate America and new science. There are astronauts, and then there are euphonauts. Join Jesse Randolph in the truth journey, Saturday night, 9 to 10 on KPAM 860.
Hello, remember to check out our Paranormal Radio Network. ParanormalSoup.com Click the globe, it'll bring you right into our site. You can sign up, join up, get your own profile, and do with it as you like. It's a social network with a radio network at its core. It's the first of its kind, people, and has some of the best ufology and paranormal and entertainment radio shows out there. ParanormalSoupNetwork.com Be a part of this great evolution of social and radio networking. Don't miss out. Go sign up right now, ParanormalSoupNetwork.com. Don't forget to check out the Reckoning Game Radio Show, aka Starship Smell Prize, with your host, Captain Smell, so good, and international co host, Cyanide, only on the Paranormal Soup Network. There's Paul. Finally, that thing is shuts down on me. It's like, what the hell? I got Christina with me too. Hi, Christina. Hi, Christina. Hi, how you doing? Doing well, and you? Good. Pleasure to have you both on the show. And we have Angel in here someplace. I'm not sure <laughs> what he's doing, but anyway, Christina. I'm here. Angel Espino is the guy in the strange-looking lights who's not saying anything and not moving. Uh, <laughs> and I'm Rick Osmond, and welcome to Skywatchers Radio TV. Indeed. Now, you and I guess you and Paul both went out to the Channel Islands to do a little hunting. Yeah, a little chupacabra hunting. Cool. So, why don't you tell us about it? Well. Well, uh, well, just to get things started. Anyway. Um, I was contacted by a Captain Michael Hodges, and he told me that he took his catamaran around the island of San Miguel Island, and he actually saw a chupacabra. And of course, too, there's two types of chupacabras. Um, there's the one that they they saw a lot over in uh, Puerto Rico, which is uh, looks like a, a a reptilian gray, um, and it has big red eyes. Um, it has wings. Um, and it has claws and everything else. That's the chupacabra that he saw. The other one, of course, is the coyote or dog that has mange. So, um, and he claims that he saw the first type of chupacabra on San Miguel Island. So he wanted to get some kind of validation to find out if that chupacabra actually exists on San Miguel Island. So he contacted me. And he told me I could bring one investigator, and I brought Christina with me. So um, we, we met him over at Los Angeles at the uh, helitech or uh, helicopter airport over there. And they flew us over there to Santa Cruz Islands to pick up a biologist and Captain Michael Hodges. And also, too, uh, took us over to San Miguel Island. Okay. And uh, how long? How long were you out there, Paul? Uh, we, we were good. We were there for a good. I would say about maybe definitely like through the whole night. So okay. um, 
we spent a good, I would say almost a good five hours out there. And we're using uh, flare, which is forward-looking uh, infrared. And um, uh, we, we picked up some uh, biologists. He picked up some scat and everything else for the evidence bags and everything else and um, um, some fur samples and everything else. Uh, the results uh, of the scat and everything else are just some of the local uh, animals that live out there. And um, uh, we did get one image on the flare with a hit. It was a heat signature. And the biologist analyzing the video, he, he has determined that perhaps that's an island fox. Okay. Well, that's, that's actually makes sense because it's going to be warm-blooded if it showed up in the flare at all. So the reptilian thing wouldn't, wouldn't show up very well being a cold-blooded, exothermic animal. So, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, yeah. It was really nice having Christina over there because she actually speaks Spanish. And uh, so she took me to a border town, and I never can pronounce it. What's it it called, Christina? San Ysidro, California, right over the border. And Rick's actually been there. Yes, Rick was. Yeah, what was that place you told me to go to or I should have went to? Jalisco's, the best Mexican restaurant in the United States, in my opinion. (laughs) I don't, but we normally, when I would go through that town, we would just be going over to um, Tijuana, so we usually eat over there. (laughs) The uh, well, a lot of the people, several of the folks who worked at Jalisco's, actually walked across the border each morning to go to work. Well, they can't, so they, they, can't, they can't compete with Taco Bell. I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we interviewed doing? a lot of people out there. Though. Yeah, we did. We we interviewed a lot of people over there, and they were telling us. Well, they were telling Christina in Spanish that uh, uh, it was a chupacabra was a big thing back ten years ago, and you heard a lot about it, and a lot of the uh, Hispanic people were actually very afraid of the chupacabra. And now there is a resurgence of it because of the Mayan prophecy of 2012. So they said now people are starting to talk about it again and everything else. So, um, Paul, what's, so the, what's the, the sentiment over there from the uh, folks you spoke to of what the chupacabra actually is? Actually, quite a few people did know about it. What we did find was that when we did try to go and ask people in San Diego, it was a much younger crowd. Um, not too many people knew what we were talking about or, or had ever heard of it. As soon as we got to San Isidro, we started um, talking to you know some older adults. Um, they all had either heard of it, knew about it, somebody that they knew knew about it. So it, it was there was a lot of people that knew about it, but a lot of people didn't believe in it. They think that it's more folklore than anything else. So most the sentiment is mostly uh, they think it's folklore. Yes. Oh, okay. But the, although I will say, uh, even though they told us that they did not believe that it was true, we had quite a few that said that still, even though they don't believe it, they don't leave their dogs out um, outside <laughs> their animals. They watch over it. So, you know, in a way... I think they do, and some some sort do believe. Yeah, they're superstitious about it anyway. Well, I've, never any, I've never had any direct experience with the 
a Puerto Rican example, but I was in Elmendorf, Texas a couple of years after they found that body, that mangy coyote body down there, and of course it was touted as the chupacabra, but it was a mangy coyote, sorry. <laughs> and, and Elmendorf, Texas is such a big town that uh, there is no way to actually profit from having extra tourism with a dead chupacabra. There's one mom and pop store there and they sold an extra coat because I came in town. And that, that's about it. But it's, uh, you know, I went past the yard where this thing was shot and, and you know, there's, there's no tourism in the entire, in that end of the entire county, in fact. It's about 20 miles south of San Antonio, 25, something like that. And, you know, all the tourism is San Antonio. So, Elmendorf has nothing to offer with that regard. Some of the hotels around San Antonio might have done okay, but that little town does not. Nice folks, don't get me wrong. Uh, great folks, I thought. But no, no chance to profit from any kind of story like that. Now, San Miguel Island or Santa Cruz Island, which was it? San Miguel Island is where we picked up the biologist and Captain Michael Hodges, and um, then we uh, made the stop over San Miguel Island, where the actual chupacabra that he sighted uh, was over by Cooler uh, C U Y L A R, I believe, um, uh, area of the uh, island. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, San Miguel, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's about 48 miles from the mainland. Is that correct? Uh, something like that, yeah. So whatever was out there, including an island fox, had a long swim at one time. Yeah, yeah, and it makes you wonder, okay, well, the chupacabra, unless it's an interdimensional type being, I can't see how it could actually, okay, uh, get get on that island. Um, well, like Bigfoot, you know, we've never captured a Bigfoot, and but it seems like you know everybody sees Bigfoot, and the reason why maybe we can't capture one because it goes from our reality and into its own reality. So if yeah. Chukawa, let's say, is a interdimensional type being, then maybe perhaps he could get on that island, or it could fly. Um, or yeah, it could fly because they do say it has wings. The original one has wings. Now, do you guys think there might be any connection between the Mothman prophecies and the Chupacabra? Do they have wings? Uh, the Mothman and Batsquatch are completely uh, different from the Chupacabra. It seems like the Chupacabra is maybe about four or five feet tall, while the Mothman and Batsquatch almost seems like they're like six to seven feet tall. So uh, I don't think there's a connection to that. Maybe it, was uh, yeah. Maybe it was the father of the chupacabra. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Looking for that's a true. kid who got kidnapped by some scientists who are experimenting on him now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Earlier in the week, or I guess it was this past weekend, when we were talking about doing this show, you you mentioned that some of the original, uh, back 10 years, 18 years ago, theories of the... Puerto Rican chupacabra was that it was a genetic experiment gone awry in Puerto Rico in some secret genetics lab in Puerto Rico 
True. And being in the paranormal community, this is what I've heard, okay, that supposedly there's a secret military base in Puerto Rico. And with this secret military base, um, perhaps the military, in collaboration with Greys, went ahead and did some DNA manipulation and created this little creature called a chupacabra. And, um, and somehow it escaped and got all over Puerto Rico, got into Mexico, got as far north as Maine and as far south as Chile. There was even sightings, they said, of Chupacabra over in Russia. So what if, let's say, we were uh, collaborating with the Greys and, and this creature did escape, uh, it was going out there. And, and what's so unique about it is uh, a lot of the, uh, well, there's vets, there was biologists over in Puerto Rico who said that the uh, chickens and goats and what else did it kill? Uh, chickens, goats, it killed some pigs. That they would have three puncture holes in the chest, and the blood was completely drained. So that I mean, if that has any substance of truth, there had to be something very odd and strange out in Puerto Rico. And Chile and places that. Real quick, Ron, because I'm not too sure about this, so I wanted to ask you: the original reports of the chupacabra came out of Puerto Rico, correct? That's where the original correct. reports came out of. Okay. That's the original one, right? Then you start getting the the other reports uh, uh, in Texas, you know, where they're saying they're seeing a dog or a coyote. And they would pick up the carcass, and I think they picked up one where they thought it was a dog. They did a DNA uh, um, uh, test on it, and it turned out to be a coyote with mange. So that's completely different from the original Chupacabra sightings. Yeah, interesting. The, um, but you know, the, you mentioned Russia, and I think there's actually been a similar animal, not. Identical, not identical description, but a similar description even in Southeast Asia. But, but that particular description or, or cryptozoid or whatever you want to call it, term it, uh, those tales go back hundreds of years, if not thousands of years. Right. So, and I, I, can't, I can't recall the name of that critter, but there's a bloodsucker of some kind. El Vampire de Maco. And that, that was actually seen in the, uh, uh, wherever Mako is, M-A-C-O. Um, but anyway, it was the El Vampire de Mako, 1974, and it was basically doing the same thing as a chupacabra. That was before the chupacabra, was the, the word was even coined by that one comedian. I can't think of his name right now. So, um, so 1974, if you want to give any credit to the chupacabra, it went all the way back to 1974, and then it started becoming really big, I guess, in the 1980s. So, yeah, late, uh, early 90s, actually, I think. But the, uh, there have been a number of descriptions, particularly from Puerto Rico and on the eastern coast of Mexico, eastern regions of Mexico, that are pretty much verbatim identical. Spikes on the back of the head and down the back of the creature. Uh, a tail that's not all that long, but is tapered strongly like a lizard. And strong hind legs and 
a minuscule four legs and big red eyes, fangs, and a forked tongue. Mm-hmm. A forked tongue, that's right. Yeah. So these these descriptions are, uh, again, they're pretty much verbatim from various witnesses, you know, hundreds of miles across water from each other. Um, now, granted, all the news that's printed in Puerto Rico is in the same language that it's printed in Mexico, so if someone has a good memory, they could remember those details. Mm-hmm. So I guess my take on this is, what's your take on this? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, well, Captain Michael Hodges, uh, just listening to his story, his story was very consistent. There was no contradictions in his statement. So I, I really, truly believe he saw something. If he really saw the Chupacabra, that's questionable. Um, uh, but in his heart, he really feels that he saw that creature so, I mean, he was very disappointed that when we didn't really find anything. And, um, but with all the reports, the original reports out of Puerto Rico, especially that one farmer, I said it, I think he said something like 30 chickens were destroyed. I mean, their blood was completely drained. Something was going on during that period of time. I really, truly believe, uh, there was some kind of mysterious creature, and they're all describing the same thing. And um, I think there was some type of cover-up. Maybe the military knew something and did everything they could to round up the chupacabra and, um, uh, because maybe it was a DNA experiment that went wrong. And um, because I just can't see how they can have all these reports and all that evidence, and, and it would be something that was bogus. So I, I really believe during that pro- probably that period of time, yeah, you know, something was going on. But now, uh, maybe what that one lady that Christina interviewed, who said that there's a resurgence of sightings again mm-hmm. because of the Mayan prophecy in 2012, people are getting paranoid. Yeah, you know, <laughs> well, that, yeah. that could be. But you you went out to San Miguel to do a scientific study, and you used some pretty high tech equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, I'd like to ask you, first of all, it, now I've, I've never been out to that particular island, but if, if I recall my geography and geology even a little bit, it's got pretty steep cliff sides about three-fourths of the way around, a little bit of a slope on the beyond the coastal side towards the continent. But uh, the actual beach area is only what, 50, 80 yards long, where you could actually beach a boat. Yeah, and then, it's, not, it's not much. And then you still have quite a climb to get up onto the island even from that, if I'm looking at the topo maps correctly. So, and, and the island itself covers uh, several tens of square miles. It's right. fairly good size. Yeah, and there's not really that many places for a, a chupacabra to really hide. I mean, you have what I mean, the, like the Kalish Forest, which isn't really a forest. So I mean, um, you know, I really, I mean, I really like and respect uh, Captain Michael Hodges, but the only thing is, I, I'm just really thinking he saw something else, you know. So. Um, a nice guy and everything else and, and one thing is you know uh, debunking it you know and uh, and there's another answer to it well that's 
that's good too, you know. So, uh, yeah. you know, I was hoping to hog tie a, a chupacabra and bring it back to Sacramento, but it didn't work out that way, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the plan me and Davini have for uh, Bigfoot when we go hunting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Jack, you know something? I got to talk to you. I, I'm sorry, but we were talking offline about the unidentified flying humanoids. Mm -hmm. I need to get some water because I just got off work and I was stuck in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic. So I'm going to get some water for Christina and myself. And Christina, like I'll sit here when you explain how they debunked it. Okay. There's something to add in on that. Okay. Um, okay, so... Can you explain to Christina what an unidentified flying humanoid is while I go get some water? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, and then uh, then I'm gonna then I'm gonna add some stuff in. Okay, so I I need to ask you something about that. Sure. Well, we were talking about that like uh, like Paul said a couple of days ago. There's been reports out of Mexico that uh, you know of what looked like humanoid figures flying in the sky. And uh, it's been, I think it's been like two or three reports that actually made it to YouTube through leaked videos. Uh, and what they actually turned out to be, they're not really, you know, anything paranormal or supernatural. Apparently somebody down there has a whole, got their hands on some technology that actually belongs to the government here. Uh, it's a little machine called the Wasp. And uh, you actually stand on it. It kind of looks like the, um, gosh, what's that, uh, that, that um, that machine that they that they came out with the uh, the gyro. The, what was it? Was it called Rick? The um, gyro cycle? What's that thing called? Uh, I'm not sure where you're going. There was one out called a solo trek, which had two ducted fans that were overhead of the rider, well, and you stood on the right. platform. But kind of well, yeah, exactly. But it turns out anyway, it's a it's a government made machine. It's nothing supernatural or anything. Uh, but of course, people with their paranoia started thinking it was like witches flying in the sky, and or you or aliens flying in the sky, and it's really just probably some government experiment going on down there. There's a lot of stuff going on in Mexico with the governments. Uh, for yes, that, that's definitely good. good. Yeah, I actually, um, my ex-husband is Hispanic, and we for the last 20 years have been going to Mexico. You know, all over Mexico. Oh, yeah, thank you. Yes, yes. <laughs> that is a very good thing. But, I'm, I'm uh, Hispanic, thing. So. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> um, we would go out there all the time, and they are very, very, very superstitious out there. Um, but yet there is a lot of paranormal stuff that goes on to kind of feed that. Mm -hmm. um, I've actually had some paranormal experiences myself there, Um walking at night, uh, you know, we would hear stories, and I'm one of those people that, okay, if they say this happens, when you're doing this, I guess I should go out and do the same thing and check it out, see if it's real or not. So I've actually had some experiences myself out there, and I can definitely see where a lot of different things could see anything that they see out of the ordinary, especially something flying in the air. Yeah. Well, here, I'm going to play real quick the clip for the uh, viewing audience when I know what the wasp is so they can kind of see it. I'm sure Paul has it in his collection. I sent him the link the other day. Uh, but just for anybody who's wondering what the hell we're talking about here, uh, this is what a lot of people are mistaken down in Mexico. I'm going to point the screen right at the uh, YouTube here. And you'll be able to take a look at this thing. Here you go. Crazy. 
And unfortunately, there is that. Every time I see Rick smoke, it makes me want to smoke. <laughs> this is the of the United States Army. It can fly at speeds of up to 60 miles or 100 kilometers an hour for as long as 30 minutes and fly, as you can see, below treetop level or as high as 3,000 meters, about 10,000 feet. It's powered by a 270-kilogram truck mini fanjet engine that weighs only 110 kilograms and it carries 68 kilograms of fuel. The operator just stands on a small platform, starts up the motor and flies. In the air, it's controlled simply by shifting your body weight and leaning in the direction you want to go. The U.S. Army have now given the WASP a security classification that signifies they're taking it seriously as a battlefield machine of the future. Anyway, that's the wasp. Cool. It, it you know, I couldn't see it on my, I couldn't see it on my end, Jekyll. Um, oh man! And the link, the link, I n I didn't see the link that you sent me. Here, I'll uh, I'll resend it to you. Hold on. Sorry okay. about that. There you go. Here, <coughs> take a look at that real quick, and I'm gonna play you guys the uh, original video of the flying humanoid, uh, which I'm sure you've seen already, Paul. So this is but yeah, I've seen, I've definitely seen that. Yeah, this is where the actual conspiracy came from, where people are saying, "Oh, it's a flying humanoid," is because of this video. This actually came out of Santa Monica, California, uh, back in 2004. Was one of the original reports. Here you go. There's that one. There's another one out of Mexico, which I'm trying to get for you guys. When I find humanoids, Mexico. There we go. Of course, our good friend uh, Jamie Musan has been all over the story. Uh huh. Jaime. Jaime Musan. I'm sorry. He's. I'm definitely. He's Hispanic, also. I'm gonna. Oh, okay. I'm gonna definitely have to look at it later because it was like freezing up. So, no, really. yeah. I don't want to take any chances. Well, anyway, here let's just go back to this to the uh, show here, guys. Anyway, that's the that's where the reports came out. It came out of Mexico and came out of uh, Santa Monica, California. Uh, but yeah, it turns out that the uh, the fine humanoid was debunked. It's just nothing more than somebody trying out the wasp or the wasp or whatever you want to call it. Now, there's been a lot of stories like that. And like, Paul, have you have you uh, looked into the Roswell rods at all? Because that's kind of been debunked a little bit, also. 
Yeah, uh, the, yeah, I definitely uh, seen the rods, and and for a while there, you know, they really thought they had something, but they did a slow motion, and they actually determined that what you're actually seeing is bugs. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Winged insects caught on Winged. digital. Right, right. Oh, and you know, um, and back at the uh, the Chupacabra, do you guys remember the Elmendorf uh, beast? That, yeah, that's that's the one that I went and investigated myself. Oh, okay, okay. That was back in what, July two thousand four? Uh that sounds right. I'd have to I'd have to go look it up. Okay, I was yeah. there about two years after the fact, but nevertheless. Yeah. And what and I was wrong about the eighties uh uh Chibacabra sightings. They're, they started in nineteen ninety five in Puerto Rico. So um okay. But then, if you want to go all the way back to 1974, that's with the Vampire of Mocha. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And the, the one in 1995, that was with the three puncture uh, hole marks in the chest, and um, and that happened to eight sheep. And I was thinking of the other animal that it attacked, it was sheep. And it seems like they have validation, you know, because of the vets and everything else that checked it out. Yeah. There was uh, a case, I believe, in, I don't know what state of Mexico, but someplace in, I believe that one was actually in western Mexico, maybe Chihuahua, but um, there was a case where a dog was mangled pretty badly, and the owner took a shotgun to this thing and claimed that he hit it, and it just kind of laughed at him and went on. Do you recall that case? Yeah, I recall something about that, and and also too, um, like what I was saying too, uh, with the chip cabra that was seen over in um, Moscow, Russia, um, they actually have a report in Moscow, Russia, was in the Moscow newspapers that they saw chip cabra there, and also too in Capes, uh, Philippines, the chip cabra was seen there. So it seemed like it really spread out just from Puerto Rico, went into Mexico, um, and. And like the chip cover in Texas, that's that's completely different. That's yep. you know, yep. dog or the coyote would mange. I don't know how they thought that was a chupacabra. Well, they thought it wasn't. It didn't fit the usual description of a coyote because a mangy coyote usually has a little bit of fur on it, and that one didn't. And it actually had a blue-gray skin, mm -hmm. yeah. which I guess in terminal stages, it that's actually. That actually makes sense, but the uh, the Russian report, if I recall correctly, that was in Pravda, which is a whole lot like the old National Enquirer. So, take that one with a grain of salt. Yeah, and and over in Russia, they said that it attacked his turkeys. So, so I, I think three turkeys got attacked. So that, that was the story about that. Yeah, but anyway, uh, what I was going to ask uh, uh, Jackal about the unidentified flying uh, humanoid is that one police officer who made claim that one of these uh, uh, UFHs actually came down and was in front of his police car, and supposedly this guy is a real reliable guy. He's a, 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 a cop with good standing, and he claims that it was a woman and she had a cloak that kind of went over her face, and she looked very sinister, and he was approaching his police car, 
and he backed his police car and kept on approaching it, got very, very scared. So he was trying to say that the unidentified flying humanoid uh, uh, was uh, some type of strange paranormal type creature. Hmm. And then, okay, and then Jamie Marcel, the, that Musan. one guy. I don't know, Jaime, yeah. Jaime Musan. Oh, okay, yeah. there we go. I'm very bad at Spanish. I'm very bad at Spanish. Jaime, hey. You have to say it with me, Paul. You have to say it with me here. Hey. Jaime, okay. Jaime Musan. You gotta get, you gotta get the, okay. you gotta get the phlegm working in your throat. Jaime <laughs> Musan. Okay, well, Christian, say something in Spanish. Listen to this girl speak Spanish. Dime algo en español. Yo no muy bien. Yo puedo decir que quiero. Qué bueno. ¿Dónde está la biblioteca? That was the library. That's Spanish 101. And you know what's so funny is I've been speaking Spanish my whole life and translating, and I took it in high school thinking I would be an easy A and didn't realize that the Spanish they teach in, in Spanish in high school is Sicilian Spanish, which they speak mm -hmm. in Spain. So I was very Hello. confused and the hardest B I ever got, I think. <laughs> Well, actually, my my dad's family is from Spain, so a lot of uh, partly Spain, partly Italian. So a lot of, part of the family actually speaks in old Spaniard, Castellano Spanish. It's kind of weird. Yes. yes. It's odd. That's the <laughs> yeah. Yes. Wait, wait till you run into a Chilean sometime. You won't know what he's talking about. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, here's another thing that's interesting. I didn't mention this, but Shannon McCabe, who's the owner of HPI Hunter Paranormal Investigations. International. She was down in L.A. before us, and she did a couple of interviews, too, uh, where they were saying, yeah, this is a big thing back 10 years back, but she actually came up to this Hispanic boy, and he was next to, to his horse, and she said, how did that horse get a bite mark on his neck? And the little boy said he was climbing up and down. It was a chupacabra that bit the horse's neck. Ouch. Yeah, so we do have one story down there that uh, where a kid is actually saying that he saw the chupacabra and that it bit his horse's neck. Ouch. <coughs> I, I don't think we're going to get to the bottom of what the chupacabra actually is for a long time if we ever do, but thanks for coming on the show and, uh, and giving us a report of, uh, of the trip you took, you, you took down there. I really appreciate it. Uh, we're almost out of time here, guys. I want to let everybody know before we do you know, leave, I want to let everybody know that Jesse Randolph is going to have his last Euphonaut Radio tonight episode on BTR. He's leaving Block Talk Radio, as a lot of folks know already. He just landed a deal with an AM station, KPAM, 860 AM. And tonight he's doing his last episode. So, you guys, let's go over to uh, Jesse's site you know, and check out the last ever BTR episode of Euphonaut Radio starting here in a few minutes. And, Paul, real quick, give uh, any websites or any information you want to give out to the viewers uh, both here and live and in the archives so they can go ahead and check your stuff out. Oh, sure. It's uh, www.hpiparanormal.net. And that's HPI, which is Haunted Paranormal Investigations International. We investigate all things paranormal. And unfortunately, our Mount Shasta uh, UFO Bigfoot excursion has been canceled and due to there's a big uh, mud hole over there because of all the rains. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, yeah, you'll be...
you'll be able to go out there in June or so. Just watch out for the brush fires at that point. There you go. Yeah, we're, we're trying to set it up for July. Yeah. Yeah. So, thank you, Rick. <laughs> so, Rick Jackal, thank you very much for having us on. Paul, Christine, thank you nice meeting you, Christine. It was a pleasure meeting you. Yeah. Same yeah. here. Christina's better to look at, huh? <laughs> I, I would say so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Well, well, thank you, guys. You bring her on more often, it makes it a lot more pleasant of an interview, let me tell you. Just bring her on every time. Yeah. You <laughs> okay. Anytime. 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 Okay. All right, folks. Thank well, you so much, guys. Be, oh, you're going to be Canada real soon. Okay. <laughs> Good night, man. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye now.